Hello and welcome to the Jewish Mother Me podcast. This is the podcast that ponders the question, Jewish mothers, should every home have one? My name's Angela Epstein. I'm Lynn Dover. And in the missing chair is Noemi Lopian, who can't be with us today. But usually when you catch us on the podcast, you'll hear us pondering Jewish mothers, the maternal wisdom that came before us and what we can learn from the role of the Jewish mother. Clacks and alert, this is not a podcast about parenting, so can't help you if you're having broken nights, but we can help you if you're having broken dreams because we are here to give you some uplifting, inspirational content today. Joining us in the studio today, we have a very special guest who's going to offer us a completely different dimension of the Jewish mother experience and the highs and lows that have gone with that. Very warm Jewish mother me welcome to Lorraine Burns. Lorraine, hello. Hello. Hello and welcome. Uh, Now Lorraine, you are mum to the gorgeous Harry who is how old? 19. I should say you and your husband? Andrew. Andrew. (laughs) And um, Lorraine, did you always want to be a mum? I did. I wanted when I, hopefully when I got married, I really would I would have liked to have had four children. That's what I really wanted. But the path to having the lovely Harry and the path to trying to fulfil that dream was fraught, shall we say, with lots of challenges, to say the least, and difficulties. Because the, the subject we're talking about today is the fact that some people, after a, quite a difficult and sometimes torturous route, are, are blessed enough to have um, a child but then no more. I think technically they call it, what do they call it, Lynn? I is think, it, they, is it secondary infertility? Yes, yes. Where you are successful once, but find it difficult again to yeah. um, have a child after that. Does that does that fit your sort of story, Lorraine? Yes, it does. Although for the, the first time that we tried for a child, it did take us five years. So, so it was bumpy up bumpy, until having... Yes. Um, Yes, um, Harry. In yes. the first place. Yes. So did was. you did you try straight away? Did you sort of know straight away, or did you did you think we're going to have some time and then it'll just happen seamlessly? We did think that. We thought we'd have the time. We thought we'd wait a year. Uh, we just wanted to spend time together. And then after we'd after we'd waited a year and we tried, things were not happening. So then we decided to go down the fertility route and see what was happening. What does that involve? Uh, so you have to have blood tests, you have to check your oestrogen and you have to see what's going on. You have to see whether you've got a regular cycle and all things like that. And, and how long after um, you decided you wanted to start a family? did you have to take um, part in these investigations? So the investigations, I would say, they probably took about six months to actually find out what was going on because we needed to have a cycle and then find out what was going okay, on Okay, but and how did you, were you, and it sounds very personal to yeah. keep asking this, no, no, but you're fine. very uh, generous with your the information and, and, and brave to be talking about it. Um, did, did you just leave things be for a couple of years and it took a couple of years to get to the testing point or no we did after a year after okay. after trying for a okay. year then trying for a year we then decided to go down the investigation route with the advice from my mom who was the most amazing person and you know because I just think I'm one of those people that's very very positive and think to myself do you know what it's not the time but then I realized that something wasn't right that it that it wasn't happening and you and, and I, I knew your late mum she was an extraordinary lady but the fact is that um, nowadays the the sort of the modus operandi is um, if things don't work sadly then the medicine is there but we're going back nearly two decades so who was the motivator to say come on let's get things going and let, let's start with interventions my mum yeah. Actually, even though I was okay, let's let's have a go. I I was a bit 
frightened all that long ago there wasn't as much information as we've got now there always is more information and they were just prodding me testing me you know checking that my bloods were right checking that you know everything was normal and I did have normal cycles and and my periods were very very regular so I was told that I had unexplained infertility we had two IVFs and one ICSI What's ICSI? So ICSI is where they take the sperm, they're very, very good sperm, and they take your very, very good egg, and they put them together, hopefully something grows, and then they put it inside you. And, and all of those things didn't work? Didn't work. And, and it's interesting, because we, we mentioned your mum. Uh, your mum was called? Denise. Denise. Denise, uh, Denise Margolis. Denise Margolis. Aww. So Denise... <laughs> lovely um, lady. She, yeah, she was a lovely, lovely lady. And she was cheerleading from the side for you. Not and not being a sort of, uh, sort of pressurising, just being supportive. Because yeah. I think it must She'd be never, extremely yeah. difficult if there are lots of family pressures and and sibling pressures and friend pressures yes. to sort of to keep your, your sort of... Um, um, positive attitude which you exude all the <laughs> time uh, keep that going yes and and it's interesting just at this stage you know we don't think of uh, considering the podcast is all about the maternal wisdom of the Jewish mother um how did she show her support for you going through this what what was her approach to you so her approach was do you think that you maybe should go and check things out go and check that everything's okay because you I know that you would like to have children and everything and then I said to her, well, I don't, maybe I should just wait. She said, no, 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 you need to, to go and have a look and, and see what's going on. Go and get these tests done and go and see what, what's actually happening there. So that's what I did. And she's not, she, okay, mums, bless them. That she was a little bit pushy, but not. She was very gentle with me. I have the most amazing sister who doesn't like me saying that, but she is. And we're very, very different. I was the very quiet, very shy one who didn't really say it. Now I'm the more kind of bubbly extrovert one kind of thing and I didn't like to ask and say well maybe I should do that I wanted people to ask me kind of thing uh, I wanted people to read my mind more or less you wanted them to, you wanted to be in a reactive position rather than proactive yes. so you had these three interventions without any success yes so what happened then so you have to wait for your cycle to have so what happened which is quite unusual apparently that i produced lots of eggs more eggs than i should have done were you on any sort of medication to do that yes i was on medication but i can't it sounds really silly i can't remember what medication i was on to make you have eggs but i had more eggs than i should have had so i ended up with 10 eggs or something and then you have to wait for them and you have to put the sperm inside them and see what happens they all fragmented away didn't didn't survive oh. i think then i ended up for this for ICSI i ended up having two eggs put inside me and then they didn't happen so unfortunately it then ends in miscarriage which is very upsetting what sort of stage is the miscarriage so it can be quite early on so it can be about a month it can be two months sometimes you can go to four months but you have time to get used to the idea don't you and I think you're sort of there to live a bit of a dream and then suddenly it's not there suddenly bang yeah yeah it must be very hard how does it affect a relationship when you are when that must have been a primary focus I know you're both professionals and you had busy jobs but how does it affect the sustaining of the relationship and that's bang in front and center of it all 
Well, that is a really amazing question because my husband has always had everything he wanted and anything that he wanted, he's always had. And this was a new thing for him that he had to wait and he didn't just get it straight away. And I can imagine in a relationship, it can go obviously one of two ways. It could drive you apart or pull you together. Did you find it pull? Well, from looking at you from the outside, it looks like yeah. it pulled you together. It did pull us together very much and 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 in a way when I look back now I'm very lucky that we had five years together of our own time but when you I mean what what was during that time before you had Harry what was the latest that you went was there a particularly upsetting time when you miscarried when I don't know you thought yes this time it's going to be happening yeah I think every time I had a bit of hope and then I just got a bit upset about it all and but my my um sanity and this may sound a bit silly because other people don't want to do this was phoning my friends up and saying can I just come around and see the kids like yeah come around and that was my sanity so you didn't, of holding my friends kids so you didn't feel other people's joy and pleasure in having children was something that you wanted to avoid you no, positively wanted yeah. to enjoy their really pleasure did. that's yeah, amazing really well, that's a very generous thing to do because um, I've known people unfortunately who've been in that position and, and understandably as much as one can understand looking out inwards um, they they just don't want to be anywhere near that situation not because they resent it or they're jealous or they're feeling unkind they just don't want it what was it that made you want to you you were being de- you were being denied your body was denying you your own baby but you wanted to hold other people's what was what was going through your head do you think beautiful warm feeling of holding somebody's baby and i know it's not my baby but it still gives you the same pleasure the same cuddle the smell the warmth just oh it's just beautiful were you always a very positive person from being a tiny tiny person or is this just something that you've worked on yourself to become no I was very, very shy, and at the age of nine, my mum sent me to speech and drama lessons Mm -hmm. with a lovely lady called Ruby Gold, and she told me that I don't need to go again if I don't like it, and I loved it, and it wasn't until I left school that I became this really confident person, and my mum would say, keep mentioning my mum, but she would say that the best thing about me was leaving school that's interesting you see mum this is about jewish maternal wisdom which we're we're peeking at early on in the podcast so one of your mum's great take we talk about takeaway wisdoms what we learned from the jewish mothers that went before us is she read you she read you that you the best thing you could do was was book against the system yes what did you do after you left school I went to train to work in hotels in hospitality management and I worked in hotels for five years, which I loved. Okay, so you got used to dealing with difficult people. So what was the turning point? I mean, at that time, were you looking at holistic alternatives? Were you changing your diet? Were you seeing alternative practitioners, therapists? So so when it not happened, we decided after however many treatments of IVF, three treatments of IVF, I just thought, I cannot take my body through this anymore. I, I just... What's happened with you, to your body to make you so physically challenged? Really ill, quite sick with it. One of the treatments, I don't know which one it was, I did actually have the effect that it would have when I was pregnant, just very, very sick and dizzy and tired. And I just said to, to Andrew, I said, I can't do this anymore. And presumably mm. carrying on with like nothing's happening yeah. to the general public, which must be an extra challenge in itself. Yes, and, and I just thought, I don't want to do this anymore. So we booked a holiday to Barcelona. We didn't get to Barcelona because I got pregnant, oh, natural, with our son. 
Who gets pregnant before they go on holiday, Lorraine? <laughs> Blimey neck. <laughs> Bad enough on holiday. <laughs> you two are keen. <laughs> I'm dead tense the night before. Pack in and stuff. Got other things to worry about. So hang on a second. This is wonderful. So um, you found out how soon before you were going on holiday? As you know, when you get pregnant, you take lots of tests and you're like, oh, okay, it's not worked, not worked again, not worked again. And I think we were going in the August, and I think it was about April or May. I can't remember when it was, but it was just, I was feeling really, oh, we'd moved house. So I do exactly remember when it was. It was June. Because we were moving house. the moving house. <laughs> change your muscle, change your... I know, but all those boxes to pack. Well, I believe that. So that's another thing. I'm a bit weird about that. Yes, so clearly. We'll, we'll go back again. So it wasn't happening in the house we were in. And then I woke up one morning and decided we're not going to have any babies in this house. Let's move. Really? Now, what do you think informed that view? Is it a spiritual thing? Where yeah, did that I think come I'm from? a bit kind of spiritual that way and I didn't didn't feel it I couldn't vision any children in this house it was just a house it wasn't a home and I just said I'm not going to have any children in this house there isn't going to be any I can't see any isn't that one of the things that's um, predestined before a baby is born it's who they're going to have in Jewish terms anyway who's their part their partner is going to be and where they're going to live Oh, it that's interesting. And and it is it is said, and you've probably heard these uh, stories, that people have felt that, and in Hebrew, it's called mazel, which is luck. And people talk about bad mazel, that they feel it might be a property, it might be yeah. something. So you felt that, mm-hmm. um, and you moved home. And yeah. were you feeling ill when you got found out you were pregnant? Did it take you completely by surprise? I was tired. I'm not a tired person, anybody. I'm full of energy and everything. I was just really tired and kept sitting down and said to my husband, I said, oh, I feel really sick. He goes, will you stop skiving with the boxes? I went, no, no, I feel really sick. He's like, go and take a pregnancy test. How many weeks are you? I went, two weeks. Go and take a pregnancy Screamed from the bathroom. Oh, my oh, gosh. gosh. Oh, my gosh. And we were just like kind of, and I kept it in the drawer for two weeks, kept opening and closing the door. It's still there. Still, still there, there and still, still positive. <laughs> when, when, um, were you frightened of telling people you were pregnant because of what had happened before? Well, I did see a spiritualist as well. I forgot about that. Who was pretty amazing and did tell me that I was going to end up being pregnant and everything. And, and he came round to the house and he said, I could see children rolling down the hill and kind of thing. And he felt it within the house and everything. I had to tell people quite early on because I was being really, really sick. So, And and I think that sickness is almost a a reassuring sickness that you know that your hormones are still working. Yes, yeah. So it is... So I did have to tell people when I'd gone to the house something to eat and... And did you wrap yourself in cotton wool? I mean... No. You you weren't neurotic, which would be a tendency. I mean, you know, not wishing to stereotype, but there are certain Jewish mothers, I'm pointing a huge arrow at myself at this moment, who can be a bit neurotic in situations. (laughs) You carried on as normal, you didn't? No. Yep. Carried on as normal. And were you looked after in a different way at hospital because of the history? They didn't, they didn't really know, uh, because I didn't, I didn't actually tell, till like later on when I'd become naturally pregnant, and then I did tell them. 
and I wasn't treated any differently but because it had been so long after I'd had the treatment and it was out of my system because I'd also done that detox and thing, cutting certain foods out of my Ah, so hang on a second. So you'd also, as well as giving up on all the chemicals Mm -hmm. that you're being bashed with, you gave up things from your diet as well. What sort of things did you give up? So um, I went to see a nutritionist and we cut out meat and cheese and milk and I carried on with the milk not not having milk or anything and and whether that helped I think it probably did but I think also my mindset so it kind of switched me off from what I was doing and I was really concentrating Mm. and everything so Mm. yeah because I'm very healthy eater in my food and putting my body and stuff so and what was it like when this baby was was put in your arms oh gosh what a moment (laughs) best feeling in the whole world just the most amazing unbelievable feeling and i did say at the end can i do it again please oh and it was a it was a normal delivery yes yeah yeah i mean we we've talked on this podcast about the stereotype of the jewish mother which is you know she roars like a lioness and protects and she's (laughs) how do how does one mother given how do you mother this child given that you have had such an extraordinary experience and, and did your own mother offer any direction about about how to do it you know in terms of being protective or I think it's it's very different that uh, my mum was very strict with me and I I am strict but I've never shouted at my son it was always sit on the stairs come out of the room let's have a talk about it tell me what's happened kind of thing and didn't want you know if if he was having a a meltdown we went to somebody's house once this is quite funny actually and he wasn't he's little and and he came and sat on my knee and then this person said at the end will you come back here again harry and he went no thank you (laughs) (laughs) and we've never invited him back (laughs) and do do you feel that because he was at that point an only one you could focus on him be patient with him i think part of the uh part of my experience about uh, bringing up children is because you're run ragged by the others you don't your patience has run out by the time somebody needs it Uh, and uh do you not feel like that no i don't and and somebody actually said this to my mom said that you know he's a very good boy and he's got a lot of time for everybody but if she had five she wouldn't be like that my mom turned around to this person on the phone and said to them my daughter has got time for everybody and if she had one or five children she would find the time how rude (laughs) (laughs) your mum what a shame we never got the chance to have your mum in here (laughs) i I know that with your speech and language and drama teaching that you are particularly motherly towards your pupils so that is probably absolutely she summed it up correctly because you seem to have a fantastic time motivation and sort of mothering type approach to them rather than a draconian teaching you will do this or else type attitude how soon after you had harry do you think i'd like another of these i think straight away but we we waited another i think two years to try again and was the expectation by this stage having not established what the problem was originally or that there wasn't a problem that when we're ready there'll be another one now had you did you had you come round to that way of thinking? I think I had thought that, but at the back of my mind, I thought, why would I be so lucky? I've got one. Why am I going to get another one? That's what I thought. Whether it's wrong, but that's what I did think. Did you try further IVF? We did. We and what happened? It wasn't happening after I think two, three years, and then we decided we would have another go, and it wasn't happening. We went to see. At, I actually can't remember any any names of the people we went to see in London. We saw this very amazing guy 
who told me I had natural killer cells. So what that means is I have no problem getting pregnant, but I have a problem keeping it. So it's a foreign thing in my body and it pushes it out. Therefore, I end in miscarriage. And we got quite along that we did, what did we do? I can't remember what we did. Is this really bad that I can't actually remember? No, no I think it's. I think it speaks volumes that, that you haven't allowed it to define your whole life. I can't remember. We did something anyway and... Um, I've actually checked with my son whether I'm allowed to say this and I am actually allowed to say it. And um, we were just not getting pregnant and he put me on some drugs. I don't know what he put me on. And he said, you know what, we'll go down this road and we'll maybe do another ICSI and you can have it supported and we'll support you. You have to come down to London every other week. And I did get pregnant when Harry was five. And um, unfortunately, I lost it and I was quite far. I think I was about four months. Oh, gosh. Dear so, me, dear um, me. Was that the furthest you'd been with the pregnancy? Yeah, and I, I did. And then it takes, and then when we'd gone to London to go and see this guy about all these things, it takes a five year old child to turn around to you and say, Mummy, why are you moody all the time? Why are you crying? Why are you sad? I want my to be happy, always happy. And he turned around and he said to me, I'm happy. I'm happy on my own. I don't need anybody else. I'm really happy, mummy, and I'm not lonely. And it takes a five-year-old kid to turn around to you and say that. Was it that really a moment? Ups- that was a moment. That yeah. was a real moment that a child had turning around and saying that to you. And it took us, obviously, a few years to get over that and everything. But I'm... He That's well. an extraordinary. He, he is. It's pretty. We've not got Harry with us today. He so, is an extraordinary young man. I also feel that he is probably a lot like you by the sound of things. He's looking for the positives all the time yeah. in everything. It sounds like that was a, a a kind of lightning rod moment. But when you when you were as far as four months, and we're very grateful that you're being so candid about this, because you know even though time passes, I'm sure it's it's something that was so seismic in your life. At four months people are sort of getting happy on your behalf you're making assumptions about how things will be you've had a baby can you talk us through what it felt like when you I don't mean physically but what it was like when you you came to rather to the realization this hasn't happened because it was it was quite far that was really really hard and it took quite a while for my body to get back to you know what it was before and everything and I really really got upset about it all you know I'd see something and I couldn't cope not babies because I was fine with babies but I'd I'd just get upset and I'd just end up crying for no reason or anything and people didn't know because I hadn't told them anything and that's when I was very quiet and didn't go out or anything I just stayed very quiet. How as a couple did you cope with this huge disappointment? We had each other and he is really my rock I know everybody says that but he really really is and we just supported each other and yet again I have to say that my mum was amazing but she found it really hard to deal with it that I was so upset right so So it was it was it was more that that so this is the the classic not just Jewish mother any any mother it was that you obviously it's a loss to her yeah it was a loss of her grandchild but she the loss she can't make it better for you no it's also no. seeing you. I mean, we all, as mothers, all of us. Yeah. But it's hard to watch your children suffering. It's yeah. really hard. You it just is. want to take it off them and suffer yourself. Yeah. And you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And she you couldn't do that no, for you. No, she couldn't. Did you change anything about your routine after that? Did you? I mean, in terms of was was that a watershed moment in terms of you not being able to deal with this roller coaster ride anymore, or were there different ways that you approached to trying to still conquer this 
this, as we called it before, this secondary infertility? I think I just put it at the back of my mind and, and just forgot about it and thought, I've got one. I'm really, really lucky and very happy that I've got one. And I just have to be happy. I can't just sit there all my life and say, oh, I've only got one. Did you have a final moment where you think, right, this isn't happening. We're going to move on and look forward and forget about it. Um, And was that, can you remember sort of switching your head to that? Or were you still living in hope after that? I think after when Harry went to high school. Ah, so hang on a second. So we've got a jump of seven years now from so from that from that really awful late miscarriage. Were there more miscarriages after that? Uh, No, I didn't. I didn't didn't have any. My periods were a bit erratic, but I didn't. And you didn't pursue any further. So you you had Harry. Yeah, it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. You had a late miscarriage. Mm You reached a point at which you and Andrew said probably by the time Harry was eleven. Yeah, and you were by now what sort of age? So I was thirty-two when I had Harry. Right. So you were you were coming towards your late thirties, yeah. which is not unusual now for women to have children. Yeah. Women are having children much later. When you sort of told yourself, "It's not happening. Yeah. It's really not happening. Not oh, it's not happening, but maybe it will." Yeah. Was that a relief at all? Yes, I think it was. Because I think that I'd stopped thinking about it all and thinking every month, oh, you know what, I'm going to be pregnant, I'm going to be pregnant, oh no, I'm not pregnant. And I just, I felt much better And did it help it. that your friends weren't having babies all over the place at that stage because they were probably all a little bit older mm-hmm. and you were all at, at relishing some relative freedom? No, because they were still having babies. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. How was that? How was that when, when, when friends had babies? Yeah. How yes. was that for you? Fabulous. Fabulous. Oh, you're so amazing. You are. So I'm not. It's just. It's just fabulous. And Harry liked it if there was a new baby come on on the scene, so he could go and see the new baby, and you know, as excited as I was. Um, have looking back down that kind of corridor of experience, um, you know, you started off the podcast very honestly, saying that when you always wanted to have kids and you wanted to have a big family, um. How and and you are big personalities. You're all very big, warm, loving personalities. How has that house filled out? How did your house fill out, even though there was one child? Because there are some only children that will say it's a lonely experience. You hear it from children who've got older brothers and sisters and they've left home, or maybe there's an age gap or whatever, and they say it's quite an adult household. I don't imagine that's what your house was like. No, we always had we had lots of friends around. There was always kids in our house. There was always there was always somebody in our house. A lot of entertaining because I love entertaining very very much, and the house was always filled with love. And you know he was always very good. You what? No, he's not perfect, but it was good that you know he was happy to play with somebody else and share his toys and and do and he liked that you know and he'd say oh can I have such and such a person around can I have somebody around so there's always something there is he very happy with his own company and happy amongst his friends yes he is very so much he's both. so yeah okay he's very yes. lucky that's yes. great well yeah. if you sort of looking back at this I mean it's been it's you know you've sort of you certainly haven't glossed over it but you've been very open about it but was you're sort of very accepting of it but if you were to sort of pinpoint the darkest moment in this whole journey when did you feel at your most despairing? My sister became pregnant with her last one and we were hoping she is 22 we were hoping that we would be pregnant together when we weren't and and I was happy and upset at the same time Mm. because I wasn't pregnant and she was pregnant. And how many children does she have? Three. 
Right, I see. Um, and that was difficult. So that was a time when it was difficult yes. for you. Yes. What has been the kind of the, the things that got you through it? I know we've talked about positivity and positivity yeah. is a very kind of general concept because positive to some people must just be I'm sure the lights will change quicker from red to green when I'm going down the road and other people will be this is an iceberg that's hit my world and I'm still going to see the good being more specific what has got you through all this good films there was maybe baby that was a very good film good story and um up Oh, I, love I still cry when I see I that love, film. Oh, that's that one of my favourites. the best film in the whole world. And we'd never let my mum watch it. <laughs> Makes me cry every time. Yeah, it does. Just the best film ever. Um, now, you've had a, a sort of second situation in that um, one of the... One of the um, chat, you may not call it a challenge. One, one of the factors of, of having an only child is that when they go, the house goes from, from one to zero quickly in terms of the so-called empty nest as opposed to that sort of gradual landing. So Harry is currently on his year off abroad. How was the prospect of going back to two after you'd been three, given the, the, the prism of your, seen through the prism of your experience? Was it something that you really dreaded? No, not at all, because we'd have five years on our own. We really love each other very much and oh. we like each other's company, so it's not hard. And I have got a mad dog now. How did you deal with Harry going away? He, he shows his emotions very, very much, so he didn't know how he was going to cope without me. Unfortunately, we'd also lost my mum before he was going, and mum, you know, shot for his advice, and he very close to grandma, and he found it really hard to actually leave me and not have the hugs, not have somebody there that he can talk to about everything. So we both found it quite hard, but I knew I had to let him go. I wasn't going to say to him, I oh, know you can't go, you have to stay home. I have to let him do things. Do you ever think of, I mean, you said some of them were early miscarriages. Some, Do you think of them as as potential babies, siblings for Harry? Do you, or are there moments of time that you've a, forgotten? The moments of time I've forgotten, I, I, I did, but I don't. I just think of the one that we, we did lose and I just remember the date when it is. So, yeah, I'll and what make do you sure do? during that time I have people around my house. Do you? What What do you do? Entertain really so yes. you're so this is when you had the later miscarriage yes. so you entertain and yeah. and why what is the sort of behind the the motivation for reacting like that on that particular occasion so you've got lovely people around you and you're not thinking about and i it. think you probably in your own head thought that was a person that you were carrying because it was yeah. so late yes. whereas the other ones were, were hadn't yeah. got to that no. stage in your head yet no no you said at the age of five harry said to you i am happy i want you to be happy yeah um Again, it's a huge generalisation, but you talk to people who've had families large and small, and sometimes the kids themselves will tell you they're a product of, somebody will tell you they're a product of being the youngest yeah. or one of many or the only girl or whatever it is. There'll be some dynamic that they will use as a way to label their particular experience. As Harry himself, given not only that he's an only child, but so, as much as all children are wanted so very much wanted and so very special for all the reasons you've said that hasn't impacted on his behaviour at all has it or has it not at all he, he's just very very kind and you know people will come up to him they talk to him and they say so how many brothers and sisters have you got and they'll say there's just me and they're like really because you're really lovely and you don't act like that, mm -hmm. you know, you just care about everybody around you, which That's is That's probably a testament to you yes. as well, as much as it is so. to him. <laughs> so um, 
when you were when you were going through things, just spooling back about your mum, what advice did she give you? Well, Jewish mothers are great on advice. I know they care, but about keeping did she give you any advice about keeping your spirits up I know she gave you the practical advice about looking into it how was she your cheerleader were there other ways that she was your cheerleader she just said keep going keep going she never um she would never say be very positive she never said that she just said keep going just keep going don't give up and keep going so I did just kept going and I, I didn't dig up and if people ask me I don't ever correct them when they say how are your children I say they're fine thank you Okay, and, you? and you yeah, might... because I've got my husband and I've got Harry, so that's two children. <laughs> and your dog? I'm the dog, but she's a dog. I oh, yeah. to say that dog. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and just, just finally, you've been. Thank you so much for talking to us the way you have. Welcome. Just, I think we just should have a word or two more about about your your late mum Denise. Um, how did she mother you? What was her Jewish mothering like? You were um, from a traditional background, so yes. Um, yeah. Did she conf- did she conform to any of the stereotypes of the Jewish mother? <laughs> she was, well, she was the secretary at school, so and she didn't want anyone to know I was a favourite. So I used to get shouted at all the time in school. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was very very strict, but the most homely, the most amazing cook. She's Sephardi background, so her food was amazing, and she just. I don't know, she was just really kind and there, you know, if you wanted a hug or something, then she was there kind of thing, talker. She was a very good talker. She wasn't so much a hugger, but she was a very good talker. She was always good at talking. You could always go and ask her advice. And she was the mum that everyone, all my friends used to come from London and stay and they're like, oh, we love your mum. Everyone loved her, which was really nice. So... And so on, on Jewish Mother Me, we often talk about the takeaway wisdom because we want to think about what we've learned from the Jewish mothers that came before us or the Jewish mothers we meet as we have. Um, I'm sure Lynn will agree. We've learnt, both yeah. learnt a lot from you today, Lorraine, about handling stuff. Did your mother have, mother have any sayings or phrases or mantras that, that she lived by? You know, any sort of Jewish turns of... I mean, we always we quote this one most weeks. My mum's great phrase with you win more wars with honey, which is you... You settle disputes better by finding a sweet way out of it than by shouting at each other. Oh, it doesn't even have to be a phrase. If there was just a way of being that you learnt from your mum that you would say, this is a good thing to follow. Every dog has its day. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. What and do- every cloud has a silver lining. It's good enough so, for me. Well, we, um, we're we really grateful that you came in today, Lorraine. Thank, Thank you, you so much. How did it feel to you to sort of open up about it? It was really lovely. I, I like Doom because I think that there is a lot of taboo where people don't talk about it and I think people do need to talk about it because you're then helping other people and know that that they're not on their own. It is a a very um, important subject that people just don't discuss because you you don't want to share it a lot of the time if you're at the early stages of pregnancy and then it hasn't happened so you are very brave even now even looking down to quote Angela the corridors of um, time to, to, to help people and inspire people. And also, I imagine, I'm just taking a punt here, um, being the, the bitter and twisted old cynic that we all know and love, people are very good at saying to other people who have had challenging times, they want it to sound better because then they can be, then, then it's neater for them. So they'll say, oh, I hope you're feeling better now, I assume, because they want you to say, yes, I'm feeling better because they can move on to discuss something more comfortable. Did you, ju- just as a final thought, did you ever get that with after Harry you know and you had other miscarriages well you've had one at least you've had one did you ever have to encounter that I think I probably did 
but I shut it out because I enjoyed him so much growing up and was, you know, it was very important to me that I wasn't working, that it was all about him. And I think that I probably did have that, but I just thought, I don't, I'm just lucky. I'm really lucky. I really am. And we're very lucky that you've you've been to join us here today at the Jewish Mother Me podcast. We hope you'll come back again. We all like all to. our guests to return. <laughs> um, you have been listening to the Jewish Mother Me podcast. We've been talking to Lorraine Burns, um, a speech and drama teacher and mum of Harry, wife of Andrew, who's been talking very candidly today about what it is to uh, to deal with the challenges of um, of infertility after you've had a baby and the difficulties of having before. And um, I don't know about you, Lynn, but I've learned an awful lot about human nature Definitely. today. Have Definitely. you not? Definitely. 100%. Positive attitude is, is so important to carry through the hard times and uh, Lorraine is a personification of that. A beacon, Lorraine. A beacon. You're a beacon. You are. So if we have any more of those terrible power cuts, we'll just plug Lorraine in and she can light up a room. So maybe that you're the answer to the energy crisis. We'll just stick, stick Lorraine's <laughs> in rooms Definitely. all over the place. Um, okay, well, thank you. thanks again for listening to Jewish Mother Me. You can find us across all different platforms such as Spotify and that they're alike. And you can and find yes, us... Instagram and Facebook and do get in touch if there are subjects you'd like us to talk about or not talk about matron there may be things that people don't want to hear about (laughs) (laughs) but we'll let you hear them anyway yes and we'll talk about tell us what you don't want to hear about and we will definitely cover it so until next time we hope you have we've given you an uplifted listen today and uh, join us soon from me Angela and Lynn and Lorraine here it's see you soon Bye. bye